Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Have you seen the video or the heard the audio of President Joe Biden's remarks in the immediate aftermath of the Nashville school shooting? It's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. Three nine-year-old children, three adults, murdered after a 28-year-old woman pretending to be a man, says the Federalist's Jordan Boyd, opened fire in a small private Christian grade school in Nashville on Monday. Reuters is now saying former Christian school student launches attack on school. That's how they're framing the shooter. That's the most important thing, that they were a student there 20 years ago. Even though the shooter had other targets, that that's supposed to be the thing. That's the, this is what media does. It labels people. I know. I worked in media a long time. That's why on all of the uh, news articles, you'll see it in every, even in radio uh, broadcast news stories, you'll hear it. TV, you'll see the little Chiron at the bottom and it'll identify somebody as resident. Mother, student, witness, right? That's what media does. They, they label you. They find the label that that reporter, that editor, whoever's putting it together, the label that they think is the most important label for you. And according to the Reuters headline, they think the most important label is that the shooter used to go to the school 20 years ago. I would submit that's not the most important detail. I mean, why even bother trying to describe it? Right, that that history. I'm not saying you need to promote in the headline, transgender person attacks the school. Unless there's some connection to a motive, but we don't know what that is yet. So why not just say 28-year-old attacks school? Right? Why not do that? All right, let me go over the phone lines here. Uh, Robert, welcome to the show. Hello, Robert. How are you doing, Pete? Hey, I'm, I'm all right. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm doing good. I just parked my truck for a second here. Like I was telling your screener, I was driving down the road when I was listening to you. I listen to you every day. Thank you, sir. I appreciate but that. I think there is an issue with mental health with this whole transgender thing. And it's it's... It's not what these transgender people say it is. I mean, I've, I've had psychological mental problems, you know, depression, anxiety, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And if I just fed into it, well, I'd be a basket case. These people need mental health to disavow them of the fact that there are sex that they're not. Right. There is a there's a strain of psychology, psychiatry, right, where. You, you confront these things, uh, like if you suffer from panic attacks, then there is, I forget what it's called, but they essentially, like, you'll sit down with a psychiatrist, and they will induce in you a panic attack, and they walk with you through everything that you are feeling 
in order to break it down so the rational mind can understand what the physical symptoms or the or the thoughts you're having, where they come from, what they what what these are due to. And you by confronting these things and overcoming those challenges, you are made stronger and they they don't hold power over you any longer. Uh, and we see the same dynamic, by the way, playing out with like the trigger warnings as well. They don't work. Trigger warnings don't work for that same precise reason. You're, you're talking to the choir because I've been through the panic, panic attacks, too. Ah. And you're exactly right. That's what you have to do. You have to confront it. See what is going on, see where your thought process is messing you up, and they will go away eventually. Yeah. Well, you know, I really feel for these people that, that, that think they're in a wrong body or something, because, but if nothing's being done about that. The transgender community just say, oh, everybody that feels that way, oh, they're just in the wrong body. God don't mess up. Well, because then what happens, though? You're a boy. But then what happens, though, Robert, is if you get this affirmation care and it doesn't it doesn't resolve some of those inner uh, problems that you're having, these this disconnect that you're having and it doesn't solve that problem, then what? Right now, this thing that you held out to be the solution to your problems hasn't solved your problems. And then what is that? It, it creates more anxiety, more depression. Uh, more trauma, because uh, and uh, you know trust issues, because these people said it would help you, and then it doesn't. And so there's an entire uh, path that is laid out here ahead of these kids that um, that we don't know. We don't know what 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 we're doing to them long term. We really don't. No, we don't. Yeah. We don't. But I know just like you said about the, the panic attack thing. Mm-hmm. Well, if you sit there and tell the person that yep, you're having panic attacks, that's what you are. Well, we just have to. You just have to accept it or whatever. It would never work. Yeah, yeah. never go away, Robert. I appreciate the call. I appreciate the call, Robert. Good to talk with you. Thank you, sir. Let me go next to James. Uh, hello, James. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Sir? Hey, I am all right. I'm a big fan of your giant peach. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's going on? I'm a firm believer in hard targets. I'm a firm believer in amendment. I James, hang on. I your cell hang on, your connection is awful. I'm not sure if uh hang on the line, Bernie, pick him up and see if he's in a if he's traveling or see if we maybe get him in a better spot for that uh whatever that wah 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 sound is to to stop doing what it's doing. Let me go to Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, how are you? Hey, I am well. What's going on? Um, I just wanted to call and tell you that I love your show and I love your humor. Thank you. I often wonder if everyone gets it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we need to have a movement of, like, gun choice. Because the person has a choice to pick that gun up, but the choice... the gun doesn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So how would you? How would whether it's going to go shoot somebody? <laughs> right. So how would you then get the gun to uh, have consciousness? Well, it's just going to have to be that people are going to have to leave the guns alone. Well, we try and take them away from law-abiding people. Right. This gets to the you know the 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 constant <laughs> refrain from uh, Second Amendment advocates, right, who say that the guns don't kill people; people kill people, and yeah, more people die at the hands of, uh, you know, fists and, and feet, you know, beatings uh, every year. And, um, yeah, it's uh, and, and at some point, 
like there has to be a recognition that there is a component here to a to a society that is morally degrading, right? Uh, there is a degeneration in the in the valuation of life that has been occurring, and when you and there has been a uh, a greater peer pressure influence in society among peers to become more and more secularized and radicalized, and that people are susceptible to this kind of messaging. Absolutely, they are. It's it, it is all of the above. Um, but we always want to talk about guns. It always comes back to the one issue, the guns, and then nothing ever gets, uh, ch- nothing ever changes. And I suspect that's by design. Yeah, Elizabeth, I appreciate the call. Yeah, I suspect it's by design. I don't think people who want me to immediately focus on guns are actually interested in, in preventing more of these from occurring because they service the agenda quite well. Look, Tennessee was run by Democrats. They had opportunity to enact whatever gun laws they wanted. Republicans just recently took over. So this isn't, you know, this isn't the Republicans making Tennessee unsafe. If there was some, if you guys want to get rid of the Second Amendment, then run a bill. You can run a bill in Congress. You can propose a constitutional repeal of the Second Amendment. Nice and tidy. That's it. Just repeal it. Run the bill. And then it comes to the states and we'll all decide. And then you'll know. That's the way you do it. That's the way you do it. All right, let's see if James is in a better spot. James, are you in a better spot? I hope so. Oh, good. Yes, yeah. You sound a lot better now. Salutations. Yeah, probably from the uh, interior of the peach. Had a difficult uh, time getting through. Anyway, sorry. Well, sometimes. (laughs) What do we got? What's going on? Firm believer in the Second Amendment. I also believe that sometimes laws can have a deterrent. Mm -hmm. One of which might be to do something rather radical, which is, should there be a survivor that was committing the crime, they would be fast-tracked, tried, with only the death penalty being the option. No life in prison, then with the sentence to be carried out within one year, running out the appeals. I yeah I don't know you would have to then ignore all of the case law that surrounds the capital punishment track and there's a ton of it and I don't know if you, I don't know I don't know how you how you do that well the legislation could say in the event there is a mass shooting but standards of evidence yeah, but you got standards of evidence that you got to you have to meet Right. And the the defense, and they're allowed to present evidence that, you know, speaks to the mitigating factors of why this would have occurred and all of that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't just as at a pragmatic level, I'm not sure it's workable. Well, I agree that there would be some difficulties there, but strong and severe penalties in a fast manner can be a deterrent. Well, what of a lot of these shooters intend on committing suicide? And when I, I was, I went over this a couple months ago after another shooting. And if you look at mass shootings as suicides, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at them like that, it's sort of like the family annihilator kind of deal, where the you know father will murder his wife and kids and then kill himself, right? There right. is some of that going on. They so hate themselves and the world, they just want to see it all destroyed. 
And so a, a penalty of death is precisely what they are interested in a lot of times. Not always. A lot of times they chicken out. But, uh, but yeah, usually they are. James, I appreciate the call. Uh, good to hear from you. My friend Ray Cooper on the Twitter machine says, anybody who says to not blame the trans community now, who in the past showered the NRA for blame for any and all shootings, must now be held to the same standard they created. Yeah, I mean, they're, like this is when I talk with uh, my friend David Harsani from The Federalist. I, I need to have him back on. Like He was a big proponent of whataboutism. Yeah, he's fine with it. When it... When you're using whataboutism to highlight the fact that you are trying to hold others to a different standard than you hold yourself, it is completely appropriate. And so when you blame everyone in a particular group for some act of an individual, then you don't get to claim that that one individual in your group doesn't represent you. That's how that works. That is a consistent application of a standard, and I'm all about it. Corey, welcome to the program. How are you? Hello, Corey. I'm doing well, Pete. I love your show. Thanks, sir. I just want to start with that. Um, so first, I'd like to say, you know, our hearts and prayers go out to, to everyone who was affected, the families and the other students, um, and our prayers go out to them. But my, so my point is this, um, you know, the shooter obviously had, had mental issues. Anyone who would go to do this right. is suffering from some sort of mental issue. And the left loves to say, well, you know, the, so they had a mental issue, and then they had the tool of this gun, and so the gun is, is the cause of, of, you know, kind of what went down. And if they didn't have the gun, that, that this wouldn't have happened. Um, I think the cause is actually our government. I think our cause, by, by fomenting that everyone is a victim, that uh, marginalized um, segments of our community, be, you know, because of the fact that they're marginalized, should go out and, you know, burn things, break things, um, smash things, that, that that is in some way quasi-acceptable because of how they have been treated, how this life, how Americans around them have treated them and marginalized them and um, yeah, this is critical consciousness. This is the, this is the umbrella under which all of that stuff falls. It's the idea that once you recognize that America is inherently systemically racist and oppressive, right? Then you have to be a participant in its deconstruction. And if you are not, then you are a participant in the oppression itself. And this is, I mean, it's beyond government. It's, I mean, the government is made up of people, right? And the people who are advancing these ideas. Uh, they have been on a long march through the institutions. They have. And, and because that long march, it's, I mean, it is supporting people with mental issues to say, you know, it's okay now. Well, not it's okay, but, but take that next step. Well, this you is know? what earlier the emailer Joseph talked about in uh, how the Bolsheviks used uh, the mentally ill in order to advance uh, revolution. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you, people seeking power will use all sorts of levers in order to, you know, to extract it. I mean, that's it. So, yeah, the, the, the idea that somebody would go in and do this, they are obviously deranged and evil. And so trying to then, uh, you know, trying to then label everybody that shares one particular demographic similarity with that one deranged evil individual, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean... The, the nice term for it is bad faith, right? It's bad faith. 
Um, it is bad faith. Yeah. But then also to kind of wrap that all up and blame guns, blame mm-hmm. the tool that they had to to be what actually caused it, to, to be what actually was that, you know, that flame that uh, pushed them over the edge. Mm-hmm. Well, because that's the tool by which people defend themselves from the critical conscious people. Right? Critical consciousness requires constant revolution. And revolutions are much more difficult if people can defend themselves. <laughs> That's, yeah. 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 And yeah. so you got to go after one of those tools that people use in order to defend themselves. So, yep. Yeah. I uh, appreciate the call, Corey. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Um, I do want to play this clip before I forget. Um, because, uh, yeah. So, this, I don't even know what is going on with this guy. Um, it's Joe Biden. So, Joe Biden, he comes down to deliver some remarks after, and it was pre scheduled. Right. But then you get the shooting and you're hearing about this. And then the the staff says, all right, president's going to be giving remarks. He'll start off by saying something about the shooting in Nashville. And so Joe Biden enters and here's Fox's coverage of it. My name is Joe Biden. (laughs) I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. (laughs) And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. <laughs> I think I'm kidding. I'm not. God. Ben, how are you, pal? One of the best guys in the United States Congress, Ben Cardin. <laughs> Give it up for Ben Cardin! No high team? Uh, no? Welcome to the White House. It's a delight to have you all here. And who are those good-looking kids back there? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're your kids, all four of them? Well, stand up, guys. (laughs) Let me come sniff your hair. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. But it's just bizarre. Something is not right with Joe Biden. I have a friend. He's in his 70s, I think, and uh, him and his uh, Vietnam veteran buddies, he said that when they they get get together every year, Al, they get together every year, and they sit around, and they start holding up fingers every time They've like one of them starts telling a story and the crowd has uh, the group has heard the story before and they just hold up, you know, two fingers or three fingers that they've they've heard the story three times, two times. That's the sense I get with Joe Biden starting with this thing about the ice cream like it played well somewhere. And so now he just he remembers it. I'm just going to start with this thing about the ice cream. (laughs) The chocolate chip. Just weird. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. Final uh, two segments here of the show. Uh, So there was a development up in Raleigh, so I want to take this little bit of a detour and bring on Matt Mercer from the North State Journal, nsjonline.com. Hey, Matt, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Pete. I'm up on the uh, third floor of the legislative building. So, oh, tell uh, them I said hello. Yeah, tell them I said hello. They all love me there nowadays. Um, <laughs> so uh, a bit of secrecy and uh, swirling rumor and such up on uh, up in uh, in the Capitol. 
and uh, you were there at this House Oversight Committee, Oversight and Reform Committee. It started at 1 o'clock, and uh, nobody knew who was coming in. Nobody knew what the topic was going to be, and now we know. What was it? What happened? Yes, yeah, so the uh, SBI, the State Bureau of Investigation, the director, Bob Shermeyer, came to speak today, and it was very... Uh, very closely held. Uh, there were no meeting notice went out with no information. A lot of the members themselves weren't even briefed on uh, the fact that he would be there today. But he comes in and he has a list of things that he says has happened to him over the last several years. And his goal, he says, is to untether the SBI from the Department of Public Safety, where it is uh, currently administratively held. And this actually dates back to 2014 when it was spun out of the Department of Justice uh, under then Attorney General Roy Cooper. Right. I was going to ask you, I I remember when they moved it under the Department of Public Safety. So now Bob Shermeyer, who is formerly of Charlotte Mecklenburg Police here um, and was, I think, widely recognized as sort of a, you know, a political nonpartisan kind of a guy, a, a law enforcement administrator, former uh, investigator, I believe a homicide uh, investigator. But um, but I remember when they moved it under DPS because there were so many problems when it was under DOJ, right? Yes, that's correct. And so the goal, I think, was to make the agency more independent where it would not be subject to, you know, someone overseeing them or, or interfering. And actually, as it turns out, uh, that's actually what's been happening, uh, according to Shermeyer in the testimony, which has now reached uh, over an hour at this point. Right. So also, I'm trying to think back, this would have been, this was also when the the testing of the rape kits, the problems with the state lab, all of that was under SBI, and that was all under Roy Cooper as attorney general. And so they moved this out from underneath, but then Roy wins the governor's race, and now he's in charge of the DOJ, so or, or, or DPS, rather. So now he's back overseeing Shermeyer and the SBI. And uh, what are some of the what are some of the problems that Shermeyer identified? Yes, uh, it really is two two different things. Uh, the first of which is there's been interference based on these exempt positions that exist in state government, which basically means that they're at the pleasure of the governor. Now, most of state government is not like that, of course. But he has not been able to hire his preferred candidates underneath, um, for example, the deputy director and general counsel spot. So one item that he had mentioned was his general counsel actually worked under Governor Cooper when he was attorney general. Oh, and so he has not been able to uh, have any separation in that respect. And he actually has said that uh, the DPS secretaries, both the former and current one, have been brought into sensitive meetings uh, between the governor's office and the SBI. And in his words, uh, he says that it's an effort to intimidate him in certain respects. Did he explain how? He has not explicitly said that yet. I don't know if he'll get to that today. Uh, Certainly the committee is going to say this will be the first of of many hearings um, about this issue. But, you know, Shermeyer, his term is actually up later this year. And he said that he felt called uh, to come today and testify, which is why uh, we're here now. And so the thinking there, I guess, is, look, if if Cooper's going to fire me or DPS is going to fire me, I'm going to go ahead and get all of this stuff on the record now. So if they do fire me, 
it's very clear why they did so. And, I mean, the governor can let him ride out the rest of his tenure, right, to just finish the, the term, uh, or they could try to dismiss him based on his testimony, but I guess then you run into sort of whistleblower territory, no? Yeah, he said that they have actually asked him to resign on two different occasions, and he has said that he would not. Um, in one meeting where he recounts in October of 2020, he says he met with uh, Governor Cooper's chief of staff and general counsel where they said there would be a big investigation of him if he did not submit his resignation. And he says he did not do that. Um, there's been no investigation uh, to this point, so it was clear uh, intimidation, he feels like. So it sounds like the governor, through the DPS secretary, who is the secretary of Department of Public Safety? I forget. I believe it's uh, Eddie Buffalo at the moment. Okay, yeah. And so the 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 use of these exempt positions, and for folks who may not be aware, like you got different classifications where one uh, you know one group, the exempt ones, meaning you're exempt from like the civil service standard hiring process, uh, and then exempt is like the political appointments. And remember, the General Assembly, like they they. They uh, they slashed the number of exempt positions when Roy Cooper won, um, and this was what, if I'm remembering correctly, this was what the the Christmas Day massacre was all about when Governor Hunt was governor and came in and fired a bunch of people. Right, the firing of these political appointed positions, um, and by having these people working for Shermeyer and having Shermeyer answer to the secretary, Shermeyer is saying that he can't get. SBI functioning correctly. Is that accurate? Yes, that's accurate. He recounted one story um, about he and someone from the governor's office uh, where basically they had a back and forth exchange where he said that the person should report to him and they said that no, they report to the governor. So what someone who works under under him ostensibly as a part of the executive leadership team with the SBI. So why should people who are not working in law enforcement or SBI, why should people care about this development, what happened today? Yeah, I think what we're seeing today is an example of the governor and certainly the people in the governor's office trying to exert control to either appoint personnel or enforce policy under what is supposed to be an independent branch of law enforcement. And I think that brings the question of, you know, separation of powers. I think it brings in certainly likely resultant legislation, but I think people should care because this is the governor's team certainly using intimidation tactics on what's supposed to be an independent agency. Yeah. And I think that's very concerning. Yeah, the State Bureau of Investigation. Uh, Matt Mercer from the North State Journal, NSJ Online, and you can follow him at Matt Mercer on Twitter. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Have fun at the rest of the, the hearing. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, thank you. I appreciate your time, sir. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, but hey, look, Roy Cooper's going to Cooper. I mean, this is what my good friend Ray does. This is the sort of behavior he has uh, he has exhibited as Attorney General, as a state lawmaker, and as Governor. Everybody gives him this pass. Is oh, that's just all shooks. I'm just a country lawyer. No, dude's a political hack. Oh my goodness. So this message now from David, he says, uh, enjoy your podcast while exercising, which does leave me a day behind. But what are your thoughts on teachers who complete appropriate training being allowed to con- to carry concealed? I am in favor, but I'm not as smart as you. Well, let's hope nobody is that smart. We'd all be morons. Uh, please tell the story of the ghost house. I love ghost stories. Oh, um, so the uh, I won't tell the ghost story now, but the 
the idea of arming teachers, yes. If a teacher is trained and chooses, key, that's a key, and the teacher chooses or any school employee chooses to carry conceal after being trained to do so and approved to do so, I think they should be allowed to do so. And then nobody would know who's carrying and who's not. Uh, Tim says, I think the left celebrates any mass shooting. They always focus on the inanimate object instead of the person himself. Of course, communists always want to take away guns before they implement their totalitarian agendas. More than 120 million people died last century at the hands of communists. Um, Clay says, how do we arrive at the place in history where misgendering somebody is on equal footing with murder victims? How do you have the right to lay the burden of your mental illness at my feet? How do I not have the right to not participate in your delusional fantasy land? In my opinion, the inability to call crazy crazy is nothing more than a psychological construct engineered toward the youth of our country by those here and abroad who want the U.S. destroyed. Other countries are banning the use of the abomination we have come to know as gender-affirming procedures. That is true. This is nothing more than abuse perpetrated on young, impressionable humans by mentally ill adults uh, at best, and at worst, by predatory outsiders looking to destroy our country by corrupting our most vulnerable. If these mentally ill social misfits want to start a fight, I suppose that they will get one. They should be aware that they are nothing more than pawns on the political chessboard, and when their usefulness has dried up, good luck finding quarter in our society. We must call this what it is, pure delusional, senseless evil. I will not participate in the bastardization of common sense and, moreover, our God-given human form on this earth. Not now, not ever. Uh, thanks, Pete, and please add the rim shot whenever former, Bri- uh, former Vice President Biden speaks. Uh, my last nerves need a break. Thanks, Clay. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I should have put some rim shots in there. That's, that's fair. That's fair. There was a, a similar piece along these lines. Um, well, one... To the point of uh, trans activists, this is from Matt Walsh, who did the movie What is a Woman? And he says, I have been telling you for a long time that left-wing trans extremists are violent, dangerous people who have been made to feel absolutely entitled to say and do whatever they want. See, that's the component here. Hashtag not all trans people. I'm saying there is there is this activist class, and it has been empowering and and, and egging on people to this sense of entitlement, that is a problem. That is stochastic terrorism, according to the lefties who loved the term, you know, up until yesterday. The deranged claims of genocide are an open invitation to violence. It will get worse from here. Trans activists believe that those who oppose them should die. I know this because a great many of them have told me this. They have communicated the message to me and my family in many ways. They think their right to affirmation supersedes your right to live. Okay, and then there is this. Um, this is from Rich Lowry at National Review. He says, between social media and fashionable gender theories, we are making teenage girls depressed, anxious, and trans. In a Substack essay the other day, a mother wrote about her daughter, quote, she was among the last of her small group of biologically female friends to socially transition. It was mid-pandemic, and she spent most of her time with her best friend, who had, unbeknownst to me, shown her hours upon hours of transgender entertainment on YouTube and TikTok. Of course, that's going to have an effect 
although there is a massive effort to deny it among trans activists and in a lot of the media. Yeah, I've talked about this with the Lost Boys, the white young males that go and shoot places up. Same thing. These vengeance movies. You cannot claim that the culture is influenced in a good way to accept gays and lesbians and gay marriage because of shows like Will and Grace, but on the other hand, has no impact on violence when you glorify vengeance. And that's what we have done. We see it in Hollywood, all of these movies. Bill Maher had a fantastic segment where he ran through the number of movies that just have vengeance in the title. Of course it has an impact. Listen, the the guy from TikTok, right, the president or whatever, um, yeah, he makes the appearance before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. The theme that came up most frequently, according to Michael Toscano at Compact Magazine, he says, most frequently is this idea, theme, that TikTok poses a danger to children, a danger that China itself has evaded by banning TikTok as we know it here in America. The Chinese government only permits its population access to a much less addictive and more educational version of the app called Douyin. This version kicks the kids off after 40 minutes of use. And much of the content is educational videos about how to garden, how to be a good citizen. Meanwhile, American kids spend hours on the app where the most effective algorithm in human history directs them to drugs, racy content, tips for how to sustain eating disorders, and even recommendations to kill themselves. Representative Brett Guthrie from Kentucky, during the hearing, he said, you seem to be able to prevent this content in China. Why not here? Right? Why not here? Even some trans advocates are willing to admit this makes no sense. Marcy Bowers is president of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, or WPAF. She told the progressive New York Times columnist Michelle Goldberg, quote, there are people in my community who will deny that there is any sort of, quote, social contagion. I shouldn't say social contagion, but at least peer influence on some of these decisions. I think that's just not recognizing human behavior. But in the current debate, it is taken as an article of faith among trans activists and much of the left that social contagion is a myth, that it doesn't exist. And they have there's no impact from the culture or your peer group on transgenderism. And I disagree. I disagree. I think there is. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.